This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Inner Source Healing Podcast, the program about healing from toxic abuse. My name is Deborah Ashway. I'm a mental health therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist, but I also have been where you are now and have experienced the devastating effects of toxic abuse. It has been a long journey through the path of healing, but when we finally awaken from the trance that we so easily fall into around toxic people, life can be absolutely amazing. It's like you can finally breathe, live, and experience life in full, vivid, extraordinary color. I want to help people get there by healing from dependency, codependency, trauma, and abuse. The healing process brings us through long-standing perceptions that have held us back from experiencing a more fulfilling and meaningful life. This episode is about understanding the impact of crisis creations and worry that is generated by narcissists. Narcissists or anybody along that dark triad love to create crisis situations. More importantly, they like to create worry in other people. They want to create that sense of worry. Why do they create these crisis situations? And why do they want to create worry in others? This is something that's hard for us to understand because we don't think this way. It's very important to understand why they do this and how to not get caught up in it. Because they're doing this as another level of control. Remember, everything that they do is for the benefit of serving their ego. And the, the again, the four main things, power, control, admiration, and attention. Those are the primary things they're looking for. So in creating a crisis situation or um, provoking a sense of worry gives them a level up that gives them... Um, a feeling like they can control the situation. There's a lot of reasons. Anybody that operates along that dark triad or ego operant, they use crisis, fear, worry to gain control and attention because by creating a crisis situation or inducing worry in others, they can manipulate them into doing what they want more easily. So we're going to break this down. When they create fear or guilt, they have broken down your protective barriers and put you in a defensive mode or you go into that survival or reactive mode. Guilt generates a sense of shame, which sets off the fight, flight, or freeze response because it ultimately leads to rejection and we're wired to operate in a way that protects us. So creating crisis activates that fight, flight, or freeze response. They do things that um, which serve to make you feel as though you are responsible for solving the problem. This has a twofold effect. 
It relieves them of responsibility, which is what their master's at because they don't want responsibility. They don't take responsibility. And at the same time, it gives them more power and control over the situation because you are activated and you're in more of a fight, flight, or freeze or a defense mode. Their techniques of creating chaos makes them feel superior. It's like they. this is what gives them the leg up. This is what gives them the advantage. They're in the know. In their mind, they become self-important. They might be able to demonstrate their supposed or imagined competence or knowledge about how to solve the problem and appear as though they have the solution to solve it. This allows them to feel validated and admired. Again, serving the ego. So when they create a worry storm, you get caught up in it and you forget the root of the cause, which is their ego. So it serves yet another purpose, masking their deflated sense of self. Now, how do they do this? How do they trap you into their worry storm time and time again? We're going to picture this. You're walking down a beautiful garden path. You're taking in the sights and the sounds around you. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. Flowers are in full bloom. And then suddenly you hear a voice calling out to you. You turn around and there they are, the narcissist. And at first they seem charming and charismatic and they have a way with words that draws you in and makes you feel special. You feel like you've found a kindred spirit, someone who truly understands you. But then as time goes on, things start to change. The narcissist ultimately begins to criticize and belittle you. They slowly chip away at your self-esteem. They make you feel like you're never good enough and they are always falling short of their expectations. You start to worry. You, you worry about everything, what you say, what you do, how you look. You become hypervigilant, constantly second-guessing yourself and walking on eggshells around them. You begin to feel like you're living in a constant state of anxiety. You never know when they're gonna lash out at you next. You never know what's coming. It's always inconsistent, positive and negative responses. So they have trapped you in their web and they're, they're really pulling the strings. They've created a world where you feel like you're walking on thin ice and you're never quite sure when you're going to slip and fall. They've made you doubt yourself. They've made you question your own judgment and rely on them for validation. This is what they want. They're trying to foster that sense of dependency. And it's not just that. It's not just the verbal abuse that's causing you to worry. It's the constant manipulation and gaslighting. You're already in more of an underlying current of worry. Then they begin to, well, they don't begin to, they've always done this, but you start to get glimpses of them twisting the truth to suit their own needs or to make you feel like you're going crazy. They deny things that they've said or done, or they deny things that you've said or done, making you question your own memory. They make you feel like you're the problem, not them. So again, you're kind of in this constant state of hypervigilance compared to where you were before you met them. And then, so it's not hard for them to throw you into an even more accelerated state of worry, which they do frequently, and you may or may not notice it. For example, even the smallest events might seem to cause them great alarm. For example, if you're driving and you make a wrong turn or something like that, just something that's easily fixed, you can correct it. 
they might make a huge big deal out of it to cause you extra anxiety so that you know how incompetent you are. Also, so that they can create that sense of power within themselves by diminishing you and diminishing your belief in your own self. It also increases your sense of dependency on them. You begin to think that you really can't do anything without them. Another example of creating drama and instigating conflict, um, a narcissist might intentionally create drama and, and instigate conflict within a group of people or within another relationship in order to gain control by starting arguments, spreading rumors, or pitting people against each other. The narcissist can create chaos and worry among the group. They then position themselves as the savior or the one that can bring peace and resolution to the situation, gaining control over the group's dynamics. Or they see themselves as the go-to person or the center because everybody goes to them or the trusted one. Another example would be threatening to withdraw love or approval. They use their love, which isn't actually love, but they've made it appear like love. Um, they also withdraw their approval as a tool to gain control over others. They might threaten to withdraw their affection or approval if their demands or expectations aren't met. This can create worry and anxiety in whoever the victim is whoever's around them as they become desperate to please the narcissist and avoid losing their love or approval. In this way, the narcissist can gain control over the victim's behavior and decisions. And please keep in mind when I say narcissist, it's just a shorthand for anyone that's along that dark triad, anyone that is ego-based or ego-operant that really just serves themselves and does not look out for the greater good of anything beyond themselves. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, what is the impact of these crisis situations and worry on partners of narcissists? The impact of creating unnecessary chaos and worry on others can really be profound. It affects their mental, emotional, and even physical health. It can lead to feelings of anxiety, stress, fear, underlying trauma, causing long-lasting damage to the victim's sense of self and their relationship with others. One of the primary ways that creating unnecessary chaos and worry impacts others is through the erosion of their sense of safety and their sense of security. Mostly, the most important thing is that it erodes the sense of self. When the sense of self is eroded, then all of that goes. Sense of safety, sense of security, sense of autonomy. When a person is subjected to constant drama, conflict, or uncertainty, it, it leaves them with a feeling like they're walking on eggshells. 
They can't trust the people around them. They can't trust their own reality. And this leads to feelings of anxiety and hypervigilant, where the person is constantly scanning their environment for potential threats of danger. They're in a constant state of hyperarousal. For example, this would be a narcissistic boss. Um, if a narcissistic boss constantly creates drama and conflict in the workplace, employees might feel like they can't relax or focus on their work, and they might be worried about being the target of the boss's wrath, or they might feel like they're never doing enough to please the boss. And this can lead to decreased productivity, burnout, and even physical health problems like headaches or digestive issues. Ultimately, creating this unnecessary chaos and worry, it really undermines self-esteem and sense of self-worth. This goes along with the sense of self. When a person is constantly criticized, belittled, or made to feel like they're not good enough, or they're walking on eggshells, it erodes their confidence and it makes them doubt their own abilities and worthiness. This leads to feelings of depression and anxiety and even suicidal ideation. That's the extreme. These are the results of being in a constant state of worry or in a constant state of hypervigilance. For another, another example, if a narcissistic parent constantly belittles and criticizes their child, the child grows up feeling like they're never good enough or they can't do anything right. And this, this leads to low self-esteem, poor self-image, a lack of confidence in their abilities as they grow older. And it can also lead to difficulty forming healthy relationships. The person might feel like they don't deserve love or respect from others. This is really the underlying programming that happens in a family where the parents or one of the parents or both the parents are along that dark triad, it creates a, a culture of fear and mistrust within the person, within the child, within the family, and it can go out from there. It just, it kind of spirals out. It can also spiral out and impact others by perpetuating cycles of trauma and abuse. It perpetuates the cycle of abuse because if they don't trust others, others are feeling this. It can be passed down from generation to generation. And then this just continues. And it's harder to break this cycle when it goes from generation to generation. And it goes from person to group and expanding outward because then other people are affected. Another example is if a narcissistic partner constantly creates drama and conflict in their relationship it can lead to the cycle of emotional abuse, which can also be difficult to break because the person can't leave the relationship. The victim might start to doubt their own worthiness or feel like they deserve to be treated poorly. And then they're stuck. They feel trapped. They don't even deserve help in their mind. It's not real. It's all programming. This is the programming that happens with this constant um, perpetual state of anxiety, of hypervigilance, of feeling like they have to be on alert or have to walk on eggshells. This, this is what happens. So this tactic of intentionally creating worry leads to feelings of anxiety, stress, fear. It, it causes damage, long-term damage to the victim's sense of self and their relationship with others. It erodes their sense of safety and their security. It undermines their self-esteem and their sense of self-worth. It distances them from their truest self. 
and it creates a culture of fear and mistrust. So it's got to stop somewhere. But what are the strategies for dealing with this? Because it can stop with you. It can. We just need to know some strategies. Well, we also have to undo some of this programming, but the strategies can at least help distance you from that. So here's some coping strategies for dealing with crisis situations. I mean, crisis situations are inevitable. They're a part of life. And occasionally we're all going to encounter a crisis here and there at some point or another. But when you're around a person who operates to serve his or herself, or like I call it ego operant, then the crises seem to be a lot more frequent. And every time there's a crisis situation or a perceived threat, the nervous system goes into a state of fight, flight, or freeze, activates the stress response. This is known as the sympathetic state, which is a survival mechanism that helps us respond quickly to danger. We need to know what happens in the body because we really need to get in tune with the body in order to stop this cycle, in order to have any kind of manageable control over it. So let's break this down. So first, the fight, flight, or freeze response is activated. It activates that the sympathetic nervous system state, triggering the release of stress hormones that prepare the body for action. These include adrenaline, um, norepinephrine, cortisol, and the cardiovascular system gets alerted. So the heart rate increases and the breathing increases which allows more oxygen to be delivered to the muscles in the brain, which is needed for action. The blood flow is redistributed. It's directed away from the digestive system. It's directed away from the outer cortex toward the muscles to help prepare the body for action. But it can also cause digestive issues, which is why you might feel problems in your gut when you're constantly stressed. There's muscle tension because as part of the stress response, the muscles throughout the body tense up, again, preparing for action. This can ultimately lead to pain and discomfort throughout the body. Cortisol is released. Cortisol helps increase blood sugar levels, which provides energy for action. And after repeated experiences of this, people can start to experience issues with blood sugar levels or weight gain or weight loss, all kinds of things. Also, the cognition is altered because the resources that are normally allocated to the outer cortex are redirected elsewhere, and this ultimately leads to difficulty concentrating, um, making decisions as if the programming weren't enough, and focusing. So the impact of the fight, flight, or freeze response can be pretty significant on the body, the mind, and the soul. And in the short term, it leads to these physical symptoms. But it can also lead to emotional symptoms such as anxiety, fear, irritability, and in the long term, chronic activation of the stress response can have very negative effects on physical and mental health, increased risk of cardiovascular disease, digestive issues, mental health conditions such as anxiety and depression. I mean, these are just to name a few. Ultimately, what it's doing is it's separating you from your truest self. It's causing you to rely on the programming, the programming sense of responses or the energy that's held within the body that's telling you to be afraid or that's telling you something rather than on your soul, rather than on your intuition, on knowing right from wrong. You're going to start responding to the automatic nervous system. And some people might even experience a sense of 
spiritual disconnection. The problem is that it does distance you from your sense of self. It causes you to tune in more to the nervous system or to the programming or the rules that have been laid out by this programming or nervous system. So it's important to note that the fight, flight, or freeze response, it's natural and it's necessary to to a perceived threat. It's part of our human nature, but the chronic activation of it and the long-term holding of it can have very negative effects on our spiritual health. So this is why it's important to have some of these strategies. The goal here is to manage the impact of this response on the body and to reconnect with the soul. So we're going to talk about some of these coping strategies. Number one, acknowledge your feelings. Be aware. Bring this into awareness. Awareness is always the first step. It's important to acknowledge your emotions and your feelings during a crisis. It's hard to do because we get distracted. Usually when we feel overwhelmed, anxious, angry, or sad during a crisis, the natural tendency is to avoid or stuff these uncomfortable feelings. That's our protective brain at work. But acknowledge these feelings and allow yourself to feel them. It's the only way to move that energy through your body so that it doesn't get stored in there somewhere and then cause energetic and emotional blockage. And some people think that, you know, they don't want to cry, but crying actually can help move this energy out. There's other ways to express your emotions too, in healthy ways, such as journaling or drawing your emotions. And sometimes songs can help. Movement can help get that energy out of you. Repressing your emotions can lead to long-term negative effects on your mental and physical health. Of course, always seeking support is recommended. One of the most effective coping strategies during a crisis is seeking support, getting some external feedback from, from people that you trust, friends or a professional. Reach out to somebody that you trust that doesn't that has your best interest at heart, not their own, talk about your feelings so that you can get some validation. Because this is, remember, it's a world of crazy making. A support system can provide comfort, guidance, and it can help get you back on track. It helps you feel less alone. If you're struggling to cope, consider seeking help of a mental health professional who can, you know, offer feedback, offer strategies for managing some of the stress and anxiety. Join a support group. There's a lot of them out there. Take care of your physical and emotional needs by eating well, getting enough sleep and exercise. I mean, this is kind of well-known facts, but engaging in some activities that bring you joy, that help you relax. Don't do them as a chore. Do them because you enjoy them. Maybe it's reading or meditating or taking a walk, but something that you find pleasure and joy in. Stay informed, but limit exposure to social media. In a crisis, it's important to stay informed about the situation, but it's also important to limit your exposure to some of the the constant stream of stuff. Some of it might be good, but some of it could be confusing. Constantly checking news and updates and social media that can actually increase anxiety and stress. So limit that exposure and only check updates from reliable sources. Set aside some specific times during the day to check the news and avoid checking it before bed. Practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is the, what I mean by that is be present in the moment. Practice bringing your awareness 
to the moment, observing your, your sensory inputs, what the smells, the sights, the sounds, the tastes, observe your thoughts. Don't get caught up in them, but observe them and observe your feelings. Do this like you're an investigator. Observe your feelings without judgment. Feelings are okay and they're natural and they're actually our highest source of guidance. So pay attention to them without getting caught up in them. It's an effective coping strategy for managing stress and anxiety, really is. Mindfulness practices like meditation, yoga, deep breathing, this can all help you stay calm and centered during a crisis. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. Set some goals for yourself to help you stay focused and provide a sense of purpose. Even small, achievable goals that you can work toward each day. These can, these can be as simple as just taking a walk or calling a friend, but achieving these goals can give you a sense of accomplishment and help you stay motivated. It's very important. Remember even tiny goals like, okay, I'm going to get out of bed and I am going to make my bed today. And then you do that. You accomplished one thing and take action. Taking action can help you feel more in control. Identify what you can control in the situation and what you can't. This can be as simple as creating a budget to manage your finances or volunteering to help others that have been affected. Action is where it's at. You want to be engaged in something. This way you can find meaning. This helps you. Finding meaning, especially in a crisis, can help you cope with the situation. Look for ways to grow and learn. Also, find meaning from the crisis. What is this showing you? What can you learn from this? This can be an opportunity to reevaluate yourself, your priorities, strengthen your other relationships, or develop resilience. All of this can benefit you. Practice gratitude. This is very important. It can be really hard to do sometimes, but gratitude is the practice of focusing on even the most minute positive aspects of your life. Like, okay, I can still see today, or I have the ability to walk, or I don't even know, but any amount of gratitude can help you stay positive and focused. Each day, write down at least three things that you're grateful for. If you don't have time to write them down, at least just think about them. Stay flexible. Flexibility is big. During a crisis, plans are going to change rapidly. That's what they do. They want to throw you off. So it's very important to stay flexible and adaptive. Adapt to change and adapt to different circumstances and accept the things that come along, especially during a crisis, because this takes some of the power away from whoever is trying to control you. Remember, they want to throw you off. So accept that things may not go as planned. And if you're with a narcissist, probably won't go as planned because they're going to be sure to throw that off because that's going to throw you off. So be willing to adjust your expectations. In fact, go into it knowing that things are likely to change. It doesn't matter if you're currently in a relationship with someone along the dark triad, or if you've been in a relationship, in a toxic relationship, you're likely to have some residual programming that needs to be examined and undone. Anyone along the dark triad or who is ego operant are obsessed with their own self-image 
and they believe that they are entitled to special treatment. And if they don't get that, they manipulate and control those around them. And creating a worry storm in others is just one of the ways that they do this. They are experts at triggering a sense of anxiety in others. They want to do this. They do this constantly and consistently in a multitude of ways by creating situations that leave others feeling uncertain, doubtful, stressed, fearful, all kinds of things. As we explored in this episode, they do this by withholding affection, threatening to leave, making unrealistic demands, or just by elevating unnecessary concern when there's no need to. The goal of creating a worry storm is to keep you off balance and feeling like you must constantly be on guard, constantly try to please them in order to avoid further damage. This gives them a sense of control over you and the situation around them. Worry storms can have lasting effects, so it is very important to recognize them for what they are. Be aware and take cover, just like an actual storm. Protect yourself. Awareness is the first step, just like when a hurricane comes along. You want to be prepared. You want to be aware of it. You don't want to be caught off guard. So we've gone over some of the tactics that narcissists use to control and worry storms are a big one. The less energy that you give any of their tactics, including worry storms, the less control they have over you. Boundaries are vital to your well-being. Consider boundaries like taking cover. Narcissists will try to push your boundaries. But being clear about them and sticking to your boundaries can help prevent their manipulation. By understanding the tactics that they use and by setting boundaries, you can protect yourself from some of the devastating effects of worry storms. Pay attention to the tactics. More importantly, most importantly, pay attention to your own gut instinct. Don't get separated from that. Your gut is going to guide you. Remember, you're not alone. There is help available. And if you're experiencing the effects of narcissistic abuse, you can reach out. There are a lot of support groups and there are a lot of people that can help you. Thank you for listening to the Inner Source Healing Podcast. It is important to give yourself the self-compassion that you deserve. And remember that your feelings matter. If you want more information or if you want to contact me, please visit my website at www.innersourcetherapy.com.